Welcome to this week's episode of I Think We're Good Here. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jackson Metakekia. And I'm Matt West. And we're here getting to know the sport of volleyball through the life experiences our guests have to share with us. Come take a listen. Our guest today is Josh Taylor. Josh is a two-time All-American, three-time All-MPSF conference winner, and ex-national team member. He currently serves as a women's volleyball head coach at the University of Missouri. His podcast will be broken down into two segments. The first highlights his career as a volleyball athlete, and the second highlighting his coaching journey at Missouri. What's going on, guys? Not well, much. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast, man. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's pretty sweet in- you guys are doing this. We're incredibly happy to have you as our guest, dude. Cool. I'm not sure I'll do as well as Tino, but hey, I'll try my best. Tino's Tino held it down, man. He's the gold standard right now. <laughs> I think it's great. the first thing he's ever done in his life where he's now the gold standard besides being a good guy, which I guess is pretty My cool. dad. My dad loved it. He listened, he listened to it, and he thought it was hilarious. Oh, nice. Yeah, he had a great time. But, uh, well, dude, like, uh, like hey, I said. I did, I did not say that about Mar. When yes, he you had, did. I promise yes. I did not. <laughs> I, I, dude, I promised walking up to the line, and you were like, dude, we're playing for this guy. Did I really? Yeah, it was so funny. Because we all we were all in the same boat. Like, when's the magic happen? Is this guy going <laughs> to – is he going to spit any knowledge to us, or what's the deal here? Yeah. Uh, too funny. Uh, well, let's get it started, man. Um, obviously, where we want to start is with – your background and being in Hawaii and how did that influence you and in where you started playing volleyball and how you began playing volleyball? Yeah. Um, it was interesting. Um, growing up in the family I did, I was the first Taylor to ever play volleyball and my dad was a pretty good basketball player. So that was a score. That was a sport I obviously grew up playing. And um, it was actually kind of funny. My freshman year of high school, I had two freshman years of high school, my first one, um, my mom said in the off season of basketball, she's like, Hey, you either got to get a job or you got to try a new sport. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll give volleyball a try. And I was pretty bad. I was really bad. And, um, I was fortunate cause I got a little bit better, but you know, it was interesting that I didn't start playing until I was 14. Cause obviously in Hawaii, it's a big thing. And, um, yeah, but it, it was cool. Once I started getting playing, I mean, as you mentioned, growing up in Hawaii, you're around, I mean, some of the all-time greats, right? I mean, you run into the rigs, the outrigger, you're playing with Taylor Crabb, Henry Cassidy, all these guys. So it's just ridiculous. Was your learning curve just like way steeper than you thought it would be being at Punahou and playing with Hank Cassidy and the McKibbins and the Crabs and like you get to see the Sojis all the time and stuff? Yeah, it was it was interesting. And I think, so my first freshman year, I was at UH Lab and um, – Again, I was really, really bad. And I was fortunate because the head coach there, Joshua Suopia, he got me started volleyball. And I got a little bit better towards the end of the year, and I learned how to jump, so that was cool. But um, he coached at Kuikahi, and he's like, hey, you should come and try out for club. And I did. And then the following fall, I transferred into uh, Punahou, and um, Rick Toon knows what he's talking about. So I, I got to learn him pretty quick. And um that first year I had to redshirt because I transferred and played my freshman year at UH Lab so I was always on the B side and I made varsity so Madison McKibben and I were going up against each other every day in practice so it was awesome huge for my development and then so that develops you go into Kuikai and who's your first coach at Kuikai Josh so yep Josh he was my coach at Kuikai the whole time really was yeah, Ryan was Ryan Leung already there, or did was he in addition? No, so he was already there. Like okay. I was the new guy on the block. Like oh, I was the first sick. guy who had never played volleyball before, and um, it was so funny because Josh was just like, "I have no idea where I'm freaking going to put you. Like, should I put you in the middle? You're six three at fourteen, you know? Like, wh- what do I do with you?" And then finally got a little bit better, which is great. But oh man, how <laughs> so like. Between starting club, literally starting volleyball, and then going to Italy and playing in a world championships with the youth national team, yeah. what was it? Two years. It was two years. Two years, man. Oh, 
Yeah. yeah. So how, what was, was that? Crazy. What was that jump like? Was it like because I I know you pretty well, obviously. Like I met you, mm-hmm. uh, what twelve years ago now. And when yeah, I first I still met, remember you, when I met you, yeah, like yeah, when school. we met Anaheim. Yeah, Keep going. That's... Sorry. <laughs> so, so when I first met you, and you're still like this, you're like the most bubbly, giggly guy ever, and you're like, dude, yeah. I, I heard you're going to Pepperdine. You want to go to Pepperdine? We should go to Pepperdine. <laughs> you know. And so, you being that type of personality, and just kind of being a free spirit, and just yeah. enjoying the time. How was being with all these big dogs all of a sudden did it change your thought process on volleyball at all and your development or was it more like i need to develop faster in skill before character even becomes involved yeah it was it was an interesting process i mean because i mean i remember my first that first year where we went to italy um Uh, me micah and taylor were the hawaii guys but i mean you had evan matram um scotty kvorkin Dylan Davis is on that, on that team. Dylan yeah. Davis. Yeah. I mean, just absolute baller. Sander was on the team. Yeah. Connor Albright. I mean, so just absolute freaks, right? So I got in there and kind of funny story. The very first thing we did was serving. So I tossed up this really high jump serve. And I'm going to rip this thing. I hit it on the 10 foot line on my side of the net. <laughs> and uh, it was just a great start to the tryout. But <laughs> the very first thing I did ever with USA Volleyball. But um, kind of when it came to development, uh, developing was it was just so much faster than anything like that I was prepared for. So really just kind of getting into it and failing a lot really helped me out a lot in that situation. And then once we got to Italy, I was pretty prepared because, I mean, we trained for like two weeks before we ever went. And yeah, yeah I learned real, real quick, either sink or swim. And I was fortunate to make that team. It's like total baptism by fire. It was. Yeah, thrown <laughs> in the fire right away. So then – yeah. You do pretty well, obviously, because the next two summers, you're continuing with the junior national team. And then yeah. this is where you and I start beating and hanging out because yeah. you're the you're the second opposite and I'm the second setter and we're dub subbing every chance we can get. And we're like already <laughs> building this relationship, which totally goes into pep and why in row one, as everybody has said in the last two podcasts, row one, set Josh. <laughs> Right. Side so out this, machine. Yeah, we're side out machine. I think I remember Dave Hutt and I talked about it and he like calculated all four years in row one and like it was our best by far our best point scoring row and our best <laughs> and our best side out row. And I think when we set Josh in row one, his hitting percentage was like over six hundred. <laughs> It was, yeah, it was a lot it was, of years of training as opposite. It was, I had one chance in six rotations to hit on the right and take advantage of it. And he was yeah. so – it was like range was not a thing. He was just like, just give me the ball. I will always get a kill. Some way, somehow, as long as I don't have to tip or roll, I'm going to get this kill. It was hilarious, too, because I remember there would be certain times where, especially our senior year, we were trying to make things a little more even and be a little more efficient when we were siding out, especially in that rotation. And – um, I remember when it first started, my initial reaction was like, why is he setting anyone else but me in this situation? <laughs> like, I didn't even know there was other options. Are there other attackers on the floor? <laughs> no. uh, but, yeah, that was, a, that was a good rotation for him. Yeah, Josh got – he started to get to know me so well that by junior year, he knew that if he pushed – he would push free balls. He'd push them low, fast to, like, the 3-4 CM on our side. If he was back row, because he knew I'd set a 40. He was like, anytime <laughs> Matt. slippery. He's like, anytime Matt, anytime we need to score a point, I know that if Matt moves right there, I'm getting the ball back for sure. That's a smart attack for yourself. Thank you. Thank you. It worked. That's what I'm saying. It worked. It worked often, and the 40 was good for us. Oh, dude, it was and so for me. good for us. It was yeah, basically man, sitting on an open net. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you guys running the 40 a lot because people would front the middle on the gap and then it just opens everything up. And I mean, it was great for me. You have Tino hitting in the middle and you got Parker hitting on the right. He's like, I, no one's blocking me. It's awesome. <laughs> that was so sick. So then that's what Tino, that's what Tino said about you guys too. He was like, it's easy when there's good pins out there. So then, okay. Oh, no, he's just pretty good at attacking. He's, <laughs> He's pretty gnarly, dude. He's a beast. So then, so then let's revert back. So going with our time together and growing up and 
you being an opposite at that point in time, when the recruiting mm-hmm. process started and you were negotiating your contract with Marv, was it like, mm-hmm. hey, Marv, I'm coming in as a receiver. I'm coming in as an opposite, or what was the deal there? Yeah, you know, I was, I was fortunate because Marv and I had some not necessarily tough conversations, but I think conversations normal people would shy away from because they might get uncomfortable. Um, yeah. When I was playing in club, I was playing six rotations as an outside. And so I was getting passing reps. It's not like I didn't get any reps and just came in. And, um, but at like the highest levels, when it was with USA and it was when I was with Punahou, um, I was playing on the right. So definitely a lot more reps on the right, not a ton of passing. Um, and kind of communicating with Marv a little bit, um, I enjoyed playing on the left more than I did on the right. Um, I love the idea of passing. You're a part of the play all the time. And um, I really enjoyed it a lot more. And, you know, when you get to higher levels of volleyball, right, I mean, more of the games played on the left pin. You're out of system a little bit more. And yeah. um, I liked getting set. So, um, <laughs> but, yeah, kind of talking with Marv, I think, I mentioned to him, hey, my goal is to be an outside hitter. And I know I've got some work to do when it comes to receiving serve, but um, I know you've got Maurice there and I want to be on the floor with him at the same time because I spent three years of my freaking high school career battling with him every single summer <laughs> on the USA team and I'm tired of it. Yeah. Cool conversation. And I think we had multiple of them. And um, I think as Marv kind of heard me over and over, he, I, I remember he said, okay, Joshua, we'll, we'll train you as an outside. And so it was, it was cool. He, he was awesome. The more guys we interview, the more guys that were supposed to go in as outsides. <laughs> <laughs> but I, oh, man. I, to be honest with you, though, if I was on the right or left, it didn't matter to me. I wanted to play, and I wanted to contribute any way I could. And um, to be honest with you, it was pretty mature. But my way of thinking was, just hit the ball and then hit it harder and then harder. <laughs> Get as many kills as you can. And low seam is always open until you play high level volleyball. And I figured that out real quick. Well, uh, so you move in to college, right? And how hard was it that – so, by the way, Josh is undoubtedly the best hand passer I've ever played with and ever seen because he has this incredible ability. <laughs> and it's true. And it's – and I don't know if it's because you grew up playing sand or whatever, but his ability to get behind the ball and just hold it and guide it is like, it's unparalleled to anybody else I've seen. Cause JD is the best pure receiver I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like he would always come in and teach the guys like how to receive on your platform and how to receive on your hands. And he gave up trying to teach Josh how to receive on his hands. He's like, I've never seen anybody like this. <laughs> right. So, how was it transitioning from being a pure hand passer to all of a sudden you step into Pep and Marv's number one rule every preseason, you're not allowed to take a ball with your hands? Oh, it was brutal. It was brutal. <laughs> and it, to be honest with you, it's only obviously when you're receiving float serves. Uh, you've got some true movement when you're facing those spin serves. But um, I just felt like Dumbo out there, dude. I was like chasing the ball on the closed platform, especially any side-to-side movement. I'm like, I'm getting aced. So, um, yeah, it, it was really hard. And I think – so my senior year of high school, I had some uh, pretty extensive surgery done on my attacking hand. Yeah. And um, I rehabbed it so well. And I've always had strong hands. So I was just so comfortable just grabbing the ball and just throwing it. Yeah. And, yeah, that was, that was a big transition for me. I think it was funny because whenever Marv said it, he was, like, looking at me almost as if to say, ha-ha, good luck. And, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And always, oh, man. I knew, I knew in those moments. I, I went in probably with the wrong mindset. I was like, I know I'm going to get eight. Sorry, guys. But um, it, it definitely helped me in, in the long run for sure. Now, did I use it much in the match? No. But it, it was cool that Marv made me, made me grow. How did it? How did it help you the most as a receiver, like tracking the ball earlier and demanding more of yourself with like your arms falling your feet or like technically, I guess speaking, what did it demand more of you in learning that that fast and being forced to learn that skill? Yeah, I think it was like, I guess when I think about passing toss and serves, it's how far away from my body I'm going to meet this, meet the ball. Yeah. Um, and that all depends on how fast the ball is coming at me. Um, but when it comes to a float serve, it's 
how fast is it coming? Where is it dropping? And where is it floating to? And I, I think the biggest thing for me was I wasn't very good at tracking the ball with my eyes and then my platform. I tried to do it at like the same time. Yeah. And I think something that I learned later on was I was training with Reed Pretty and Rich Lamborn. And this is before Rio and Pretty was like, hey, what we've been working on is we're connecting our platform behind the ball like crazy late as this ball is going to hit our platform because me and Rich have been finding out that tracking the ball with open arms, we find that we have a ball skate off one arm a lot less. And I wish that was something that I would have learned earlier on, but um, back then it was for sure not being very good at tracking with my eyes and my platform. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, both those guys – pretty high level receivers in their time yeah i'm not sure who they were i had to look them up but uh, (laughs) so then let's piggybacking off of like your prior experience of being behind maurice what is it now like not only to play with him but you're you're kind of sharing a load with this guy and you're Mm -hmm. trying is at that point in time you're you're more the second guy yeah and maurice is technically the guy so how was that feeling? And one, how was that feeling? And at what point in time did, in your mind, you mature to a level, not just physically, but mentally, where you're like, Matt, I am the guy. Like, why are you not giving me the ball? So like, just walk us through that process. Yeah, yeah it was interesting. And to be honest with you, when I look back on it, um, it's so easy to be sour about not being the guy, but the one emotion that I feel when thinking back on it is just gratitude. I'm so grateful that there was King Kong on the right to, you know, allow me to develop. And because, um, you know, it'd be a good amount of pressure if you're, if you've got to be the guy and still you've got so much to work on, you know, and yeah. I think it could have shouldered the load there, but I feel very fortunate that I got to play those first two years with Maurice. Um, Cause you're right. I think, um, I think you did a pretty good job of distributing us somewhat evenly, but still writing, writing the guy who was, yeah. and, um, I think my junior year I was getting there and then dude, my shins just felt like they were going to explode all season. Um, I, I think it was probably the fall of our senior year where I was probably playing my best volleyball. I was confident in my ability and I knew I was, I knew I was, kind of kind of the guy do you like just looking back because we had that conversation at BYU right which isn't like it's not the easiest conversation to have because we're both all Americans we've both been really good at our respective positions and it's never easy to hear like I don't think you're doing a good job with me Mm -hmm. right but you did it you stood up for yourself and it was completely the right thing to do because our relationship went completely uphill after that yeah it was like a total it was there's this unbelievable amount of respect that had just been created with one conversation and trust because not only did you demand that of me but then I put it on you and you delivered because then it was like hey I want this from you Matt I want the ball and I was like fine then if you want the ball then you better be getting a lot of kills you're going to want the ball. Yep. Yep. But, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and like we went through these trials and tribulations, right? You could think of, and most people always think of the negative. Like you could think of the Santa Barbara match, the Long Beach match, like all this stuff that happened where we got stuck in row five and that was always like our mm-hmm. trickiest rotation. And like maybe Josh didn't deliver. And in my book, I was like, well, the set wasn't perfect. And in Josh's mind, he's like, well, I don't give a shit if the set's perfect. It's my job to terminate, mm-hmm. right? But then we get through that, and by the end, it's like, right, by the time we get to our senior year, we've developed such an incredible connection because you have this understanding and these failures that you've gone through over and over and over again to get to where you are. So looking back in time, do you think think it was even earlier – then the beginning of your senior year where you decided you were going to be not that you made that decision, but do you think like that prog like progression was a little bit faster than you thought it was going to be your junior year? Yeah. Yeah. I, to be honest with you, I do. And I think the big reason was Maurice leaving. Yeah. And, um, 
because I knew once that happened, Tino and Parker were going to be going to war for, you know, the spot on the right. Yeah. And they're obviously both so good and they're both going to be on the floor, but I, you know, there was a void with Maurice not there, you know, 70 swings, a match guy is gone. And, um, I definitely wanted to be that guy. And I had the belief that I could be, um, I think there are a lot of, a lot of things that I could have done better, but it was, it was when I felt incredibly comfortable was probably the start of senior year when I needed to be comfortable, probably for that, especially with the way that I thought about the situation um, was the day that we lost um, our sophomore year and our season was over. That's when I should have made that um, kind of choice uh, in that moment, but it took me a little too long, I think. So when you, because you just said, like, there's a couple things that I wish I could have changed. What are some of those things that you're thinking at that point or reflecting back that you you think you could have changed just for our audience and potential, you know, volleyball players or coaches yeah. listening that they could help their kids with if they feel like they're going through that kind of rough patch? Yeah, and I think the one thing I could have done better and probably my biggest regret in life, to be honest with you, is not – not immersing myself more in college volleyball and that's every facet of it. I didn't take good enough care of my body. Like when I had those severe, severe stress reactions, um, I wasn't going and hanging out with Katie or trainer enough. Um, you know, I probably should have had a boot on and I wouldn't do that. I was, I was in my slippers all day. And, uh, so little things like that, but also just kind of like the emotional side of things. I think I was somewhat poor at, leaving things outside of the court and I don't think I ever came to practice like oh I'm so sad my life's so hard but I do think that certain things dictated my emotion and behavior and it directly not necessarily affected but had a part in how I interacted with my teammates and I think there probably could have been a lot of better reactions and interactions I had with my teammates as well as approaching tough situations in practice I feel like I could have done a little bit better but um, that's definitely, definitely the biggest regret is not just being there for volleyball because I wasn't too good at school. So, uh, um, I wish I would have just, you know, been there for volleyball and, um, cause man, it's just so special when you immerse yourself in something in your, in, in your craft. Um, it's, it's incredible. And it's something that I'm finding now being a coach and it's something that I really enjoy, but I wish I would have done it as a player just a little bit more. I think I did it my senior year, but the years leading up to that, I, I wish I would have done it a little That's, bit better. It's interesting you say that. Our junior year, I gave up everything because I was like, I really, I was like, this is the year. If we're going to do it, this feels like it's going to be our biggest chance because we had, because yeah. we had a really good O2. Not taking away anything yeah. from Scotty, but at that moment, I was like, Kyle's really good right now. He's healthy. Yeah. He's strong. He's productive. And, like, Josh is coming into his own. This is kind of it for us. Right. And so, like, yep. I, I remember I, – I remember I – like, I quit drinking. I wasn't going out. I wasn't mm-hmm. doing all this stuff, right? And, like, I was – and I had Winder there who was, like, this amazing gold standard of, like, this is the perfect human. Right? So, like, this is literally <laughs> – yeah, this is, like – yeah, exactly. This is God dresses Jonathan Winder. So yeah. <laughs> so you have that guy. And so I'm like, okay, well, he did all this stuff, X, Y, Z, to win a championship. So, like, I'm going to fall in his pattern. And I remember when we didn't make the tournament and stuff, I was like, it didn't work, you know? And, like, being 20 and being like, oh, man, it didn't work. Like, I gave up all this stuff to get there. Then – it like was the most defeating thing ever. Cause you're like, I gave up so much for this moment. Like what, why didn't it, why didn't it pay off? Yeah. And then I remember, I remember thinking like, I don't think I ever want to feel this way again. Like, I don't know if I ever want to invest myself in something so much again, cause it mm-hmm. was just so heartbreaking. And yeah. then it was like, and then it was round two and I was like, here we go. Like we're, we have to do it. Yeah. Like if you want any chance to win, you have to. So I have a question for both of you. Um, So we're talking about like mindset and 
taking care of your bodies and stuff like that. And I know that's really trendy right now in the coaching world. And Josh, I'm sure you guys have resources and you talk about uh, mindset training and other things like that. What was it like in the Pepperdine gym outside of an example being put in front of you? Like, were there conversations at the whiteboard? Was your trainer bringing in different resources for you guys? Because we're talking about it now, but I just want to see if there was a reference point from back then. Yeah, I think, like, uh, I mean, for me, I was so, like, dumbfounded when I first walked in because I had I didn't even know what, like, planking was, man. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And so like having a guy like Josh where I was like, this guy's jacked and we're in the same year and he knows what like the only thing I know is a bicep curl. The only need to know. Walking in to dude, walking into Pepperdine, I think Josh might remember this. So like our first week, Tino and I, Tino, Nick and I, and Scott get off our plane in Argentina. We land the next day at like seven AM. We have workouts. And it's all like essentially plyometrics and like calisthenics, right? And at that point, if you said calisthenics, I'd be like, is that a type of pottery? Or like, what are we thinking here? Like, what, what is that? <laughs> right? So we start doing push-ups onto like the little blue mat or whatever. And it's a pyramid push-up scheme. And I don't remember how many you have to go up to. It was more than I had ever done in my life combined. So I was just impressed that I got to the top of the pyramid. And then they said, now you got to go down to the bottom of the pyramid. And I was like, okay, okay. I, I got this. I got this. By the last set, my arms are shaking. Like it's a 9.9 earthquake. It's a disaster. Right. And my face plummets into the mat. And Matt Young, our <laughs> trainer is like, stop, just plank. And I keep doing push-ups because in my head I said, I don't know what a plank is, so I'll just keep doing the thing that I know is right because I know what a push-up <laughs> is. So we finished. And I'm like, yes, I completed my first day. This is great. And then they go, all right, rotate. And I was like, rotate to water breaks? What are we rotating to? <laughs> so we go inside and they say, now we have to test for pull-ups. And I was like, I've never done one of these, so this is probably not going to go. So I'll I'm, never forget this. I'm hanging on the pull-up bar, pulling as hard as I can, but it looks like I'm just doing, like, scap raises. <laughs> so I'm hanging, pulling literally as hard as I possibly can, and I get maybe halfway to the pull-up bar, and I drop, and the other trainer, Stu, goes, I'll give you one. Yeah. I was like, yeah. One. He goes, one. And I was like, yes, one. This is the greatest day of my life. And I look at Marv, and Marv pulls me aside, and he goes, you know who Sean Rooney is? Like, yeah, yeah, he's pretty good. And he goes, yeah, he did zero. You're one ahead of Sean Rooney. And I was like, I'm never lifting a weight again. <laughs> but, but, like, going back to your question, right? So I came in super unprepared. So it was just like, like we were talking about earlier total baptism by fire but this idea of nutrition and like protein intake and like bcaas and all that stuff that was stuff that guys wanted to learn it was not stuff that was necessarily taught to us and like the only things that were taught to us were rehab and that's when you had a problem and then you would learn rehab and prehab but we didn't start learning about a lot of that stuff until we were juniors. And other than that, like, I think Josh for the most part knew the, the most about the human body. Although he failed his first anatomy test, he still knew the most about the human body. <laughs> Don't have to bring that up, dude. Under <laughs> and, the bus. And, and he was, it's crazy to say, if we had questions, we could always ask Katie, but we just didn't know. Gen like, I genuinely just wasn't informed, I guess. But I, I don't know. Maybe Josh had a different outlook on it. Oh, yeah. I I probably came in at the opposite end of the spectrum. I was pretty prepared physically. And um, I spent a lot of time taking care of my body in high school just because I was doing so much and still playing basketball and all that. But it was interesting because once we got to college, um, yeah, there was no nutrition, you know, teaching there wasn't a ton of 
not necessarily mental health, but like sports psychology being taught at all. Like it was just like either good enough or you're not. And um, I think we had Ken Revisa come visit a couple times. And, um, that was fantastic, but we didn't have like a sports psychologist or anything like that helping us along the way. And you just kind of got to find a way to be good. But when it came to kind of like the athletic training stuff, that's something that I was not very good at. Like, I was like, I don't need to get ice. Why do I need to go visit the athletic trainer? And it's just so much more than that. I mean, it took me so long to realize that. And I got good at it senior year, I think. But I mean, up until that point, I was just awful. I was like, I don't need ice and I don't need to warm up, set me and I'll bounce ball. Yeah. And it's just the wrong way to think about things, right? And you're not taking yeah. care of yourself. And um, one, that's not preparing your body. And then the first thing that happens when you do that is like, oh, that hurt. And then boom, I'm automatically not thinking about what I need to be thinking about. And I'm not prepared and I'm not in the right, you know, mindset. And it's kind of a downward spiral when you don't know what to do, um, especially when it comes to kind of mental preparation and mental focus. And honestly, Jackson, like a lot of the responsibility was on us to come in prepared every day mentally because you're either in or you're out. That was his big thing. And we were completely independent to warm ourselves up in whatever way, shape, or form that needed to be. But as soon as Marv walked into the gym, he wanted to see pink cheeks, and we were going. So if that meant you needed to be there an hour early to warm up or five minutes to warm up, he didn't care. He just wanted to walk in and be ready to go. And it wasn't until – I it probably wasn't until Katie – our athletic trainer at the time was in her third year where she started showing Marv more of the science of it. It was like, these guys need X, Y, Z and they need dynamic, um, like a dynamic warm up versus a stagnant warm up, And like just doing core for two minutes with Parker isn't good enough, you know? So yeah. it's, it's definitely developed. And a lot of it's just Marv being Marv. He was just like, look, this is how I'm doing it for 40 years. And I'm gonna keep doing it like this because I've won like this. I don't Katie know if was that definitely the saving, saving grace. Yeah, yeah. Katie was saving grace there because I think uh, um, it was cool that Marv listened. I mean, he's been doing the same thing for you know however many years, and he's kind of successful. So why would you change? But he was just so open, and uh, you know it, it was pretty cool. And once we started doing that, um, Katie was probably the reason why. It, uh, six starting seniors were able to play a full season. Yeah. Yeah, because the only – I mean, the main thing that plagued us all four years was health. You know? And it's like Josh is talking about. every year. Like uh, everybody at some point in time. Mm-hmm. The only year that I stayed healthy the whole way through was sophomore year. But one year. Yeah. That might have been a year I was healthy too, actually. Yeah. You know, and it was just like – and yeah. the, the only reason we weren't good – Kyle broke his ankle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, so, 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 like, somebody every year just, like, went down. And we're like, well, there's our season right there. Yeah, I think it's not that we weren't educated. It's just we also weren't concerned with it at all, really. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just our, like, ignorance toward that subject or whatever it may be. Because I, I don't know what the basketball team or the baseball guys were doing or what was happening. But the idea of a diet and, like, vegetables and all that stuff, that did not even come into fruition until our senior year. And then I remember – I won't say his name, but Brennan went and he was in <laughs> – he was – he saw like a certain team and he came back into the locker room and was like, I don't know what those guys are eating, but we need it. They're jacked. It was, I know know it was Irvine. I didn't want to throw Brennan completely under the bus, but (laughs) he's under the bus now. Right. So you, but you talk to those Irvine guys and they're so invested in their health and their well-being. Yeah. I, I, I've never seen a team like that. And I think every team's kind of like that now. But they were all about – they were calorie counting. 
they were watching their intake and every piece of food that they were eating and they were so dedicated to the gym. And we were like, we love the gym, but we're going to drink like seven chocolate milks. So I don't know what you want from us. I lived off protein shakes and pizza. (laughs) Josh, at what point in time did you feel like I'm kind of done not like I'm done learning the skills, but at this point I'm really just like refining and fine tuning versus like, this is just a mental game now. Senior year, I felt very confident with every skill um, and everything pretty much became second nature. So I, I, I think I did a decent job on being incredibly focused on the technical side of the skill rather than being focused on the outcome. And then and towards senior year, I felt so confident confident with kind of technically what I was doing that then I was able to put tons of focus on the outcome of my on my skill. And um, but I mean, up until that point, I was just like, you've got to get better at just doing what's right rather than going back to bad habits and all that good stuff. But um, it was definitely senior year. That was the year where kind of everything I, I felt came together for me. Definitely when I was playing my best volleyball, even though I didn't have much of a shoulder. For those listening that don't know, what well, was against. CSUN in the third set, it was like 9-8 pretty early. And Josh hits the ball, comes down, and is kind of holding his shoulder. So immediately, Josh and I come together, and Josh goes, don't set me. And at that point, I was like, Josh has never told me to not set him unless he's (laughs) absolutely blowing it. The only other time he's ever told me this is freshman year against UCLA when Jeremy K-Spirit was just hammering him. Like, it was relentless. Yeah, (laughs) relentless. It was the most relentless shit-talking I've ever seen a person endure. Because (laughs) it was not just Jeremy, but Kyle was matched up on him, and Kyle Caldwell's a pretty good blocker. And the whole team was just like, if we break this one guy, like, we have a chance. And poor Josh was just, they served him every ball. And even if it was good, they would just crush Josh. And I was like, this is so brutal, man. Marm subbed me out. Oh, yeah. I mean, you had like. I was, getting, I was just getting Kong blocked. Dude, we looked, because we looked at the stats, because Tino went off that match. And I skimmed by yours, and you had like eight kills. You had 10 errors. You got blocked like 10 times. In like 20 errors in one game. Oh, man. <laughs> but we went to five. We almost won. Uh, by imagine so- if I would have hit positive. By <laughs> Just hit zero. <laughs> uh, but, um, oh, but, yeah, so, like, walk us through that feeling and, like, how did you – how did you have to recalibrate, not just physically, but mentally, how did your game change as a powerful attacker – to now my shoulder's not 100% anymore, obviously, because I have a torn labrum. How am I, what am I going to do to be successful? Yeah, and I, I think I mentioned it before, probably up until, I think junior year, I was starting to develop a little bit of an off-speed game. But yeah. up until that point, it was just, I'm going to hit harder and harder and harder and harder. And um, I wasn't setting myself up for any kind of off-speed. Everyone was just like, I'm going to dig in deep and we're going to get a positive touch and kill you in trans. So I think... I got pretty good at roll shotting the ball and throwing the ball a little bit. And um, I mean, it was crazy because in practice, I mean, I mean, I remember that, that swing I took and it felt like um, meat being pulled away from a bone. And I said, and I was like getting teary eyed and then I pulled Matt over. I'm like, dude, I, I can't. Um, and then the rest of the match, it felt okay. Actually, every time I hit, I'm like, okay, maybe it's just like a little stinger or something. And then the next morning I woke up and I couldn't put my shirt on. Um, so I called Katie. I'm like, Hey, something's wrong. And I had a torn labrum and like a 30% strain in my rotator cuff and some other weird stuff in my bicep. And um, so I didn't hit at all in practice. So whenever we were practicing and their right front load in our middle, I'd have Matt shoot me a ball and I'd just grab it, throw it down my left and <laughs> score. So I got pretty good at anything that was tight. I'd go up my left and kind of push it off the block. But um, it was really having to be much more creative with the way I scored rather than just being powerful because 
all I did was rely on my on my arm up until that point. Well, I remember you're pretty good at this all four years, but by the end, it was like put the ball over the net on any high ball in any high ball situation. Air fifty fifty, and Josh will just go up with his left hand and dunk it over them. Yeah. And that was our game plan in trance. It was like the either, better. yeah, it was either like if Parker was back row, it was like basically set him on the net and just let him go through people, or set Josh over the net and let him go over people. And that was our high ball transition. Yeah, I'm, I've been hearing. I first heard that UCLA uh, Spraw with the men's team is like he's training the team to set tight on high balls and out of system, which is contradictory to kind of the things we know, like inside is better than outside off is better than on. But I even did a study with my team this last season and we were better at tight balls than balls that were seven or more feet off the net. Well, I think we've Uh, talked about it a lot. Yeah. I mean like that's what you do at Mizzou. Yeah, we set the ball three feet off the net and two feet inside the sideline. Nice. And, I mean, our one of our outsides is 6'5", so, I mean, it's a little – that's kind of a plus there. But, um, yeah, it's the same thing when you think about it. Like, the further you are away from the block, it's impossible to hit hard over and in, right? The closer yeah. you are to it, space your arms going a little faster. Um, yeah, I felt – and also when I was closer to it, and Matt did such a nice job of setting me tight, in those situations was then I could see the block so much better yeah. and I could find yeah. an edge rather than being like seven feet away and thinking maybe his pinky is there. I don't know. So it was much easier to be tighter. And you have momentum going towards the ball. So you have an advantage over those blockers because they're, they're maybe taking two steps to block and you, you're a big, strong guy at getting some momentum. Sure. It's like, that's a, that's a matchup problem for people. Yeah. We've, I think Jax and I, we've talked about this a lot, and I don't know how you feel about this, Josh, but there's two guys I saw in college that never lost to Joust, Taylor Crabb and Travis Willison. And any high ball you gave them that was tight, they had the advantage immediately because they would wait for you to push so that they could just abuse you and throw you into the pin, right? And, like, you don't have that advantage of, like you said, of the vision. You and inevitably you can throw it through them. You can push it through them. You can go off of them. You can do all these things that are limitless when the ball gets a little bit tighter than that. Or over them. You yeah. can go over them, too. Works every time. Yeah, I mean, it works like a charm. <laughs> works like a charm, Dylan. Josh, who is the first guy in the MPSF to give you the business? Oh, man. The whole UCLA squad, oh. not even just one guy, <laughs> all seven of them. <laughs> I can just picture Jeremy just, oh, just talking at you. And, you know, the worst part was I think we were playing in, like, a non-conference match, and we were playing Santa Barbara, and Wes and Nielsen and I knew each other. And in high school, we played each other, and him and I would just go back and forth. And – I remember we were playing them and I was chirping back and forth and I've never seen Marv so mad. He's like, he subbed me out of the match. He was grabbed me by the Jersey and was screaming at me. And so I was like, okay, I can't talk trash anymore. It's just something I can't do. So I didn't know how to respond. People talking trash to me when I was sucking without responding (laughs) with more trash. So I was just like, I don't know what's going on. Do I talk? Do I, I don't know what's happening. Um, but yeah, all, all seven of those UCLA players, it was great. <laughs> the first guy I ever, cause I've very rarely do you see Josh, like I've seen him give the business to a lot of people. 95% of the league that we played in, he gave him the business. Now I saw one guy give him the business when we were training in Ohio with the junior national team. And this guy's name is Jace Olson. And Jace Olson. Oh, man. <laughs> guy's, a, guy's a legend. <laughs> and Jace Olson gave Josh the business because Jace was on, like, the third team. He wasn't traveling. He knew he wasn't traveling. He didn't give a shit. And Josh would just jump hot. This is, this is Josh's tendency if he ever gets mad. He, not, he doesn't go over more. He just jumps higher and higher 
and higher because he gets so mad that he's like, I'll just, I'll just grab this guy. I'll just grab him. So Jace jumps. You could put a credit card under Jace's feet, maybe, <laughs> if he jumps, right? So Jace goes up, and he's playing opposite. Jace is not an opposite, and Josh is on the left for some reason. And Jace goes up, and literally, as he's approaching, he goes, you're such a tool. And tools Josh. <laughs> and Josh is losing it. He's dying laughing. So at this point, I'm, oh, like, dude. I'm like, oh, shit, I lost Josh, right? The next ball, Josh is back row, and Jace is in one. And he tips a ball to Josh. And as Josh is, like, diving – Jace goes, Timber! <laughs> oh, dude. Talk about getting in somebody's head. Oh, it was so funny. And we it was so hard for all of us not to laugh. Hawks is over there losing it. And Brad Keller's like, <laughs> he's like, we have, he's like, Hawks, you can't laugh at this. Like, this guy's not coming with us. And he goes, it's great. I've never seen Josh like this in my life. This is hilarious. <laughs> And then when I hit the floor, Jace, like, comes under the net and goes, oh, big tree fall hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, man. Oh, it was awesome. So then we're in the tournament, and we know it's do or die. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, what's, what's going through your mind? Because our senior night's the worst volleyball we've played since preseason of freshman year. Yeah, hate senior night. Yeah, we – like, we went into senior night, and all we heard the whole week leading up to it was, this match doesn't matter. Whether we win or lose, we're not going to make the tournament unless we win the MPS. Mm-hmm. So all of us walk in, we take photos with our family, and everybody's out there playing at, like, 60% because we play Santa Barbara the next week already. Yeah. And it's, like, just everybody's just kind of pissed. And, like, there's no – it was just a really, really weird ambiance of, like, why are we playing if we know our status already? And Santa Barbara's balling, absolutely balling. Yeah, they, they were killing it. I mean, they could not – they beat us They beat us 15-25 the first set, and then we beat them 15-25 the next set, and we were like, that's all we got. Like, we just gave yeah, you – Yeah, they any. were balling. Yeah, and then – because I remember – to end the match – Jonah serves to one. We're in row one. Jonah serves to one. Great cut to the corner. And it, it's like an ace to one off Josh. And I was like, that's a fair serve. But guaranteed the next ball is going to the five sideline because Jonah never serves the same serve twice. So I walk up to Scotty Ryan and I go, Scott, on the toss, take a step left. He's going to hit the sideline. And Scott looks at me and he goes, uh-huh. Next serve, Jonah crushes the ball down the sideline. Scott takes a step to the right. Couldn't tell you why. And boom, game over, done. That's our senior night. We get ace twice to end our senior night. And I was like, well, great. At least we get revenge the next, you know, next week. So I was actually at that match. Yeah, disaster. Oh, really? I, I remember thinking to myself, like, dude, this is going to be the last match I see all season, and this was crap. <laughs> these guys suck these guys yeah, yeah. literally heckling like, us I, I knew Matt at the time but I was just like what the hell was that yeah it was a very weird match so we get that yeah, out of the yeah. way yeah <laughs> these guys are all American we had like five all Americans we just got destroyed uh, uh, so then like how did you did anything change in your mind knowing like this is the final run this is it going into the next week and continuing on into the MPSF tournament? Or were you like, I've prepared well. I know what I'm supposed to do. I don't really need, I don't need to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. You know, I thought, I thought we prepared well. And especially us as a team, we were pretty prepared. I felt, um, but at this point it was just controlling emotion going into it. Cause one, I was pissed off. We had to play Santa Barbara on our senior night. It was just, I mean, like, come on. And so I was incredibly mentally prepared going into that first round in MPSF where we beat them. Yeah. And then, you know, we were going to play Hawaii um, for the second round. And it's just, you know, 
it's hard to win in the stand and they're a different team when they're not in it. So I, I knew we'd be, I knew we'd be pretty good against them. And then obviously going up against Irvine, we knew they and us were the best teams in MPSF that year. And um, it was really just um, being immersed in those moments and relying. And it was kind of crazy because it's one of those things you got to come, come to term with um, is I have to trust my training. And, you know, when you're, undergrad um underclassmen and kind of leading up to being older it's like oh yeah i trained really well all week and when i said that to myself it was like i trained for four years yeah wow like trust that training and it was one of those moments where it was almost kind of depressing because it's like i don't get any more of this training and i, I really got to trust in these moments because those were i don't know about i don't know what you felt matt but that santa barbara match hawaii and then irvine just the situation, the stress was the highest it ever was when we were probably at Pep. Just looking back at the run, we were so ready to beat Santa Barbara because yeah. we were like, it was just a step. We never thought yeah. of like Santa Barbara as they were just, they were just a person. They were just something we needed to bulldoze and just get out of it. And it was cool because every single person on the team was on board with that. They're like, yes. guys, this is, this is business. We got to get in. We got to take care of this and we're moving on. Yeah. But yeah, and I it, agree with you. That's exactly it, the mindset we went in with. And it was just like, it was interesting because every team had, it was something we walked into each team very differently based on our past with them. Right. And everything yeah. we had done with Santa Barbara leading up to that moment was an absolute grind. And we were like, this isn't going to be a grind. We're going to dismantle them because we respect them, but you're in our way. Yep. Sorry, but like, this is your four, get the hell out of here. And Hawaii was personal because they beat us twice yep. and they had put us into that situation and we went off. Yep. We, we, that was probably the best we had ever played as a team in my four years because we lost the first set and then it, we completely turned everything and it was just us against the world. Yeah. And then Irvine was honestly that night, they were just better. They played pretty well. Yeah. They like, they were like, look, looking back, they just played big boy volleyball better over time. They were better out of system. I mean, Brinkley was chucking up prayers and they were like killing all of them. And like, you could say whatever you want about like our preparation leading up to that, but, I look back at it and think I, I did everything I could in the moment to be ready for this, mm -hmm. you know? And like, it's just unfortunate that it had to end with a loss because you never want to end on a loss, but yeah, it's just, it was what it was. I have a question for you. How pissed were you when Marv took you out match point of your senior year and put Max States in to serve for you? Oh, dude, I don't even remember that, to be honest. The one thing that I remember being pissed about was how Zach Lacavera continued to find more angle underneath my block. <laughs> Dear Lord. Dude, I was lining up, like, no hands on the ball. I'm like, this guy's got 12 feet of line. I'm finally going to get him, boom, on the tee. Was, that was the most frustrating part. And I think the thing, I, I, I guess why I don't really remember that with the serving was because my shoulder hurt pretty bad to attack, but serving was, like, debilitating. Like, yeah. that's why – was only rolling the ball over the net. And I was like, man, maybe Max can come in and make a difference here because I can't even get him out of system. Well, that's, I mean, that's just totally fair. Tactically, it was the right thing yeah. to do because I remember watching you serve yeah. and you were like, I can't. And Max went in. Dude, and it's it like, just wouldn't work. Yeah, it's like Marsh says, you can wake that guy up at four in the morning and he hits a 70-mile-an-hour jump surf. Yeah, seriously. Like he, <laughs> <laughs> he's just <laughs> always ready. What's your favorite Joe Trinzi story? Ooh. Jackson, you know who Joe Trinzi is before we start? Yeah, I know I know Joe's. Okay. For those listening, Joe Trinzi, he was the statistician for USA women's volleyball when they went to Rio. He's a he's a great guy and he was a volunteer for us our senior year. Yeah, he, he was awesome. I really appreciated him a lot actually. He spent a lot of time helping me that year. Um so I remember when we were, it might've been when we played at Irvine and we lost and then we went to in and out afterwards. 
and I was hanging out with Joe because anytime he talked, I'm like, what is going on in this guy's head? <laughs> and I, I get a four by four at In-N-Out and he got two double doubles. I'm like, Joe, why don't you just get a four by four like me? And he's like, well, you know, when you talk about the amount of bread, cheese and meat, it just makes more sense. And, you know, it's just more correct. I'm like, dude, I want to know what's going on in your head. And he kind of pauses for a moment and he goes, no, you don't. And then he walked away. I was like, what is happening? Like, who is this guy? But uh, I don't know. I mean, that, that made me laugh. But um, I think one of the cooler Joe Trinzi stories was after every match, he would go back, watch film, and he had this sheet for me. I actually have a picture of it and something I'm going to start using for our girls. But he went through every single block move and ranked me. Like, was I – were my hands pressed to the attacker? Yes. Were they not? No. And then were my feet good? Were I, was I scared with my body before I left the ground? And he did that for every single skill, attacking, serving, and, like, critiqued it and then came out with a percentage of how well I did that skill. And after every single match, it was just crazy. And I remember being there one time and I was like, dude, why are you spending so much time? And he, he truly just cared about us and wanted us to be so good. It was, it was cool to be a part of. And uh, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool to have him there at our last year. And I'll never your... forget the double-double story though. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, this is one that I think all of us remember him for. Before we played Irvine, Marv has his speech and he's like, hey, I think uh, prepared and I think we embrace the moment, you know, pretty classic Marv. And he goes, does anybody have something to say? And usually everybody just goes, no. And so Dave goes, no. And Joe Trinzi goes, I got something. And he gets up and he like kind of like pulls his shoulders back and pulls up the arms, you know, up, up, the, uh, up the sleeves. And he goes he was like something along the lines of like tonight we kill we kick the shit out of Irvine and we show that Vinny we, we show that Vinny Lopes guy he could shove his rankings right up his ass <laughs> <laughs> and everybody oh, everybody in the I locker room exploded nuts. went nuts and Marv looks at him like wide eyed bushy tailed and he goes yeah, all right, I think we're good here. And then we all walked out. <laughs> How about that? Oh, it was awesome. He got us so – everybody was like, yeah. You know, Parker's like almost yeah. threw some guy through a locker or whatever. Yeah, he's so <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. Hey, what's your favorite Marv story? As – let's do – let's do favorite, favorite Marv story on the court and favorite Marv story okay. in the office. Or even before the office. It could be in your recruiting process or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think one that I like, it's kind of on court. He came up to me after one practice and he's like, hey, Joshua, you know, I think you're either getting better or you're getting worse. And I think you're getting better. I'm like, oh, thanks, coach. I'm trying. And he goes, oh, whoa, whoa. I'm like, whoa, what did I just say? Did I offend the guy? Did I make him mad? And he runs over to the whiteboard, grabs a dry erase marker, runs back over, and he goes, try and take this out of my hand. I'm like, what kind of Miyagi crap is this guy going to play on me right now? So I, like, pause for a second, and I just snatch that thing out of his hand. And I'm like, I win. And he goes, no, no, no. Try to take it out of my hand. Give it back. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and so I take it out of his hand again, and he goes, Josher, you're taking it out of my hand. What you got to understand is there's no try. You either do it or you don't. And it, it was a cool moment because if Marv says that to you, he believes you can do it. Yeah. And it's just, it, it makes you feel like so empowered and honestly bulletproof. And it's pretty cool. So that's one thing I remember. Um, let me think here. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. It was, there you go. It was something I'll never forget. And that was... I, one of the one of the funnier moments was I actually thought I Miyagi'd Marv by snatching the marker out because I thought he was going to try and take it away. Well, I know I was the idiot, but anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, man, there's just too many. There's just too many good ones. I think probably the, the uh, coach on one he gave Maurice that Matt Matt Tarantino talked about. What Tino forgot to mention was that Marv threw him up into the second level. The second level is carpeted. 
So he had Maurice diving on the carpet to get balls <laughs> on the second level of Firestone Fieldhouse. So Maurice is getting like rug burns and Marv goes, all right, you're coming back down. Brings him back down, throws him on a separate end of the court. And yeah, I think in that moment, we all realized like, hey, you probably got to go for every ball here. But um, yeah, I think, I think there's too many moments where I learned a lot more about life than in volleyball. And those are the ones that are pretty special. He worked me. Remember when we were in Hawaii and we lost to Hawaii I'll never forget that. And I'll never he, forget that. He, I think Josh was more pissed than anybody else in the gym. And he was so I'll mad. He was so mad he called his mom. And his mom was pissed. She came up to me. <laughs> <laughs> she came up to me later that day because we went over to – we always went to the Taylors because they have this little picnic area um, in the compound that they live in in Hawaii. And she was like, are you okay? I heard what Marv did to you. That that man, I just oh, I, I just want to give him peace of my mind. And I was like, Kim, <laughs> I, I think I think we're good, you know. And probably so just probably don't do that. Yeah. So we're in we were in H one and Marv's sitting there with like his his like little uh his capa like briefcase thing that he always used to carry around. And he's like hanging out and he's head to toe, which is weird because we are Mizuno and he's head to toe Mizuno and he's in like full sweats and it's 90 degrees outside yeah 90 degrees and like 100 percent humidity full sweatsuit and he's already red and i'm like we haven't even walked to the gym he's already pissed why is he so pissed like i know we just lost last night but like what is his deal today so we walk into the gym and it's super hot we're all sweating and like we didn't even warm up marv just goes i want three guys out here so it's classic. Josh and I always go out first. And Maurice would always try to go out first. And Mar was like, get off the court. And <laughs> and Kyle Kyle went out with us because Kyle had something to prove. And that it, Kyle he wasn't. Garens? Yeah, Kyle Garens went out there because he had just twisted his ankle. And he was like, I deserve to play. And I know I didn't play well last night, but I want to show you that I deserve to start again. Because it was like, it was a cycle between the three O2s that we had that year with him, Scott Ryan, and mm-hmm. uh, Bo Vandy. So it's us three, right? And so he starts working us like normal. He's throwing us around the gym. It is what it is. We, we know what's happening. So Marv does this thing where he has the ball in his left hand, and he throws it up with his right arm cocked back, and he throws it up, and he – doesn't attack. He doesn't even try to fake to attack. He just throws it up and lets it drop. Because his right arm's up, you think he's going to take a crack at it at some point in time. Yeah. So he does it. He lets it drop. I'm running. I pancake it. And before I can even look up, Marv already has a ball in the air, and he uncorks at my face. And so I didn't get the chance to put two hands up. I just put, like, one arm up and, like, chicken wing formation kind of and it like pops out to the like five sideline i get up and like run back ready to get the next ball and marv stops everything and he goes i can't believe you do that and i was like do what 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 did i do i got the i I tried right i feel like I, i tried really hard i was trying really hard and he goes why why would you protect your face like that when 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 has the ball killed anyone? And I was like, I don't know. So, and he's like, I just, I can't believe you just disrespect the game like that. You know, and like shakes his head. From that moment on, I promised myself I would have Spalding tattooed on my forehead if I had to. It's just hands down, head up. So he, he absolutely wrecks me, right? And he keeps working Josh and Kyle. And I'm standing there ready to go. And it's just Josh and Kyle diving for like two minutes, just working them. Yeah. And then occasionally Marv would throw me a free ball. Oh, gosh. (laughs) He'd just throw me a free ball. And like one time he made me like walk three steps and pass it. And then I was like, this is by far the most defeating thing anybody has ever done to be in my life. So Josh comes up to me immediately. I mean, when I say immediately, it's like drill done. Josh has his arm around me. And he's like, I can't, I I just, I I can't believe you'd ever, I just, 
I'm a, uh, <laughs> just in shock and awe that somebody would disrespect yeah. somebody like that at a volleyball <laughs> practice. What Josh doesn't know is after practice is over, we're all walking out and my head is like in between my knees because I'm like so droopy and sad. And Marv comes up to me and goes, I was. I need to talk to you. All right. Yeah. Great. You get to rip me again, huh? This is going to be awesome. <laughs> Two times in one day. This is a record for me with Marv. So he comes up to me and goes, I think you're the best thing that's happened to Pepperdine in a long time. You got to hold the standard a little bit higher for yourself if you're going to demand it of your teammates. And I was like, okay. He's like, thank you, coach. He's like, yeah, I think, uh, I think you're getting better, but I still think we have some some time to improve and I think we go beat the Warriors tomorrow and I was like all right and he goes and I'm off and he just starts running to the vans and I was like (laughs) what a beautiful moment just just ruined by a trot you know but he he was he's the best I've ever met Uh, he could make you feel like shit and it's still a compliment (laughs) really though yeah i don't know how he does it like he could tell you you're the worst volleyball player in the world and you walk away like i can't believe you talked to me that's the end of part one if you enjoyed that subscribe to our podcast using apple google or spotify to hear more about josh's trials and tribulations as a coach at the university of missouri in part two